You can do Nayania Baria, Nayania Manania Manania. You can do Nayania Baria, Nayania Manania Manania. From the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, this is the A Cuppa and a Yarn podcast. Hello, everyone. This is A Cuppa and a Yarn, the podcast brought to you by the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. We love having you join us for these chats with some really deadly people. It means a lot to us, and we can't wait to continue bringing them to you. Your support means the world to us. This is episode nine of our series, and after chatting to some academics and some high achievers in the business world, and more recently some incredibly talented footballers at the Koori Knockout, this one heads in a new direction yet again. And trust me, it's a story everyone needs to hear. It was a tough one to get through, too. This week we caught up with a dear friend and colleague of the staff here at Newswalk, the lovely Teresa Lake. Her story will tug at the heartstrings. And I'm warning you now, get the box of tissues ready. Teresa has been through it all. A beautiful mother of two kids who had her world turned upside down when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. It's every woman's worst nightmare and certainly news that took a major toll on Teresa and her family. She knows, despite the most horrific path to recovery, that she's one of the lucky ones. She's here with us now to tell her story. She recently appeared on national television and inspired everyday Australians with her toughness, her resilience and sheer relentless will and courage to beat cancer no matter what it took. It's a tough conversation but so important and one she hopes will inspire more women, especially in the Aboriginal community, to get out there and have your health checked. Don't leave it to chance. I'm so happy to be bringing you this very special story. I hope you enjoy it. This is A Cuppa and a Yarn with the delightful Teresa Lake. You can do Nayania Baria, Nayania Manania Manania. Yama, hello, Teresa Lake. Yama. <laughs> Welcome to A Cuppa and a Yarn. Thank you. And look, thank you so much for taking the time to have a, a cuppa and a yarn with me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No, that's all right. And and uh, I was sort of sitting here looking at, we do have our cuppas, everybody. And uh, I've realised that Teresa and I are both non-dairy. <laughs> Yes, I've got an almond flat white with an extra shot. <laughs> As you do. And, uh, and I've got soy milk. But I think you're probably a little bit more culturally appropriate than me because I'd imagine that uh, our ancestors would have had wild almond. Probably. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, pounding, you know, to, to get the, mm-hmm. the milky water, etc. So we're sitting in downtown Parramatta uh, in the lovely Lady Latte, which they very kindly uh, allow us to use for these podcasts. Now, Teresa... You know, I think uh, once we sort of dig in, I'm sure there are quite a few people who would be familiar with you, with with your life story, uh, more of late. And you know, and it's it's a really hard one to tell. And I just want to say thank you for agreeing to have a discussion about that, around that, and yourself. But as we usually do uh, with these podcasts, I go back to the beginning so to speak, and so we can we can talk about, you know, the ground we walk on and, and our families. So, who's your mob? Who's your mob? Where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> um, where are you from? Where are you from? Who's your auntie? 
Okay, so my, as, as you know, my name's Teresa Lake. Um, my grandmother is Janita Kane. She's from Coonabarabran and we originate from Barabadee Mission in Coonabarabran. Um, there's quite a connection there with the Kane family. Mary Jane Kane was one of the pioneers of that area. So, and, and wrote to the Queen to get land um, allocated, which was then turned into what we now know as a former mission and a reserve as Barabadee. Um, my grandfather is a lake and his mother was a Hampton and he's, he originates from around Galagenbone area, um, Dubbo. So that's my, that's my family, that's my connection. Yeah. So um, I've been to Galagenbone a couple of times. It's a, it's a little place, eh? Small. I actually, I don't even know if I've been there myself, probably as a very, very young child when my mum would go out picking asparagus and things like that. She, that was something that they did, the seasonal work and you know, bought my first bike, <laughs> picking asparagus. So I love those times, they were the best. I grew up in Dubbo. So uh-huh. I was born and raised there till I was about, I think I was 14 when mm-hmm. we left Dubbo and moved out to Campbelltown and finished my high schooling off out there. Um, then yeah, had children, moved up to the central coast and that's when I started working at Newswalk. So okay. in 2008, so okay. it's been a long time and, and now I'm here in <laughs> the big city. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, most of your family, what's still in Dubbo or further north as well? Uh, I would say the majority of them are still in Dubbo, still living in Dubbo, but um, I do have family out Campbelltown Way, up on the central coast, but majority are, are still in Dubbo and Coonabarabran. So, I don't get out there nearly enough, but you try. Yeah, when it's you can. It's hard to make it all work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it sure is, and yeah. you can only make it work as much as it's going to work for you yeah. basically and family I job the life. commitment life <laughs> yeah gets in the way a bit doesn't it <laughs> do, do you have any siblings i have two younger siblings i have a sister tammy she works here at Newswalk as well and a brother trent so he's the baby spoiled <laughs> trent if you're listening <laughs> and you and tammy just so everybody knows <laughs> Those two girls, they get on real good. Yes. Well, from what I see, I, you know, and sometimes... Oh, we I, fight sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Your sisters. Siblings. Your sisters. We're, we're part of the same equation here, the Tea Lake equation, so yeah. we both just answer to that now. Yeah, you do. No, but I see you guys walking sometimes yeah. and you haven't seen me or whatever, or when I well, I catch people in what I call an unguarded moment. Yeah. And you generally, you're always smiling yeah. and you're always like like giggling or laughing together yeah, as you walk. It's quite funny because um, sometimes we'll get off the lift together after grabbing our morning coffee and we go to separate doors when we enter our offices and we will say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can see that there's that moment where people kind of like, oh, hang on a second. Did they just say I love you in the hallway? <laughs> Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every time we leave each other or hang up the phone, say love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, you know, hey, I tell people at work that I love them and yeah. I'm not related to them. <laughs> so it's all good. I love you. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, th- but that's okay. It's just when you say, I love you. Yeah, that's right. That's getting serious. <laughs> that's now. a little bit maybe crossing a line. <laughs> that's getting deep. And, and you were saying you, you have a couple of kids. You, you have a boy and a girl. You're I very proud. I have a boy and a girl, yep. Extremely proud. I've got my daughter, Layla. She's 18 now. She's recently returned this year from doing seven months in Italy studying fashion. 
Wow. Um, and my son is 16, 17 at the end of the year, which he can't wait. He just wants to be 18 already. So. <laughs> Jarvis, yeah, my Jarvis, big baby. My Jarvis, big baby. I'm telling you, mate. <laughs> You're going to spend most of your life being over 18, yeah. so enjoy the rest of the time before you're exactly. 18. Exactly. Take it easy. No <laughs> rush. <laughs> so, you know, of course, you, you work at New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. How long have you, you been there? I've been with Newswalk for 11 years now. Yeah, yeah congratulations. started in 2008, so got my little certificate sitting on my desk. <laughs> Ten-year service. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Yeah. That, that's great. That's great. And um, do you mind telling us just a little bit about what you do? Yeah, well, at, right now I work with program implementation, so I'm a senior programs officer. But when I first started with Newswalk, I started um, in the Sydney Newcastle region with the councillor um, as a councillor support officer. And then a few years into that, I moved down to Parramatta and, and worked in the governance unit done a few things while I've been here then I moved on to policy work that was a very different kettle of fish it's an interesting <laughs> area to work in um, yeah, and then I came to programs so so what I do is I work with local Aboriginal land councils who are based on a formula are the most disadvantaged louts and they have an opportunity to, pl to apply for funding um, and for grants to do community development outcomes in their communities and I also do the scholarship fund as well mm. so that's my role at the moment amongst other things yeah <laughs> and, they're, and they're two big areas they are they're quite administratively heavy but it brings me into contact with a, a lot of land councils which I enjoy and um, just speaking to them about what they're trying to achieve so I enjoy that part of it and the education scholarship of course you know we, we have a, a whole new look scholarship yeah. yeah yeah brand new one now brand new it's been revamped been renamed revamped and we've added a internship component to it which is great so we're trying to access a pipeline of you know of graduates in disciplines that apply to the land rights movement and trying to access these these graduates to come in and do some work here and and hopefully recruit them mm, mm. that would be the goal eventually so yeah we've got a lot of talented young people out there so we want them here with us. Make your mark on November 30. That's election day for the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Rights Network. Members, just go to our website at www.alc.org.au to find out how to lodge a postal vote and how to vote on the day. So you've trod a varied path uh, in the land rights movement with New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council with, with what you've done. And I know that that has, has mixed quite uh, in incredibly, as it would, um, with your own personal path, which yeah. uh, over the last few years. So, you know, you were recently vaulted into public spotlight, like quite public, yeah. um, on the program <laughs> this time next year yeah. with Carl Stefanovic um, about your cancer experience yes. and breast cancer. Yeah, so that was a um, interesting time to say the least. But um, in 2018, I in January 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, and I was going through some early scans on to, to detect, you know, what kind of cancer it was, how far along it was, and I was um, having a discussion with my sister while getting a coffee, and just sort of I said if I get through this, I will do life differently. Um, 
I didn't know what that meant at the time, but literally within five minutes, I'd gotten a call from my surgeon um, asking if it would be okay for her to put me in contact with um, the producers at this time next year. And yeah, they gave me a call and, and we had a, had a chat about what was going on with me and, and being on the show. And I, at that moment, I just kind of thought, you know what, life's kind of calling me out on a claim that I just made to do my life differently because I'm normally a very private person. And I thought, no, I, I, I should do this. It would be helpful to me to have something to focus on, but helpful to others to hear, you know, what it is really like to go through cancer treatment. Because I didn't know. I was, I was, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, and you see a lot of information uh, on social media, but what I soon found out during my treatment is that a lot of people aren't discussing the realities of it and how hard it can actually be you know we all need something positive to focus on which is great but I'm a realist and I like to know what's in front of me so I can make plans and I found that really difficult in the beginning to find people to talk truthfully about it so I hope that by doing the show I I help somebody mm. else out there to realize that they're, they're not alone and how they're feeling is normal and in a very abnormal situation. Mm. So, so, so how, how did it come about? Was it a mammogram scenario for you? I, so I discovered a lump that was, right. uh, you know, look, hindsight has 20-20 vision and when I look back I realised there was um, a few other symptoms that I had overlooked um, mm. and most women would overlook because we're just busy looking after our families. Mm. Um, I had dimpling uh, on my left breast, which I didn't know was a was a, a sign. sign. Yep. I didn't know that at the time. Um, I had some discoloration to my nipple. I didn't know that was a sign either. I just, you know, I you get up in the morning and you get ready to get on with your day. You, you're not standing there going over your body the whole time. Yeah, like true. most of the time, I'm avoiding mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> nah, come on. So, she, she's a, she's good looking. I'm in this one. So I um, I had discovered a, I, I'd been unwell, flu-like symptoms. That's another one that a lot of women and being fatigued. You know, we we're busy. I've been tired since my kids were born. Mm. I can't remember a time when I wasn't tired. So all these things that looked at separately don't appear to be very much but when you put them all together they it ended up being a quite a big thing so I, I'd found a, a lump and I'd put off going to the doctors I'd had some personal things happen with within my family that were quite tragic and you know going to the doctors to check out a lump just wasn't top of the list wasn't eh? top of the list no. and my daughter needed to go to the doctors and she was the one who actually forced me to go and, and have a checkup like while we were there and I was like okay yeah cool I'm gonna be at the doctors let's have a look my doctor wasn't even concerned when I but he you know as a precaution sent me for a mammogram and an ultrasound so a mammogram just basically has a look it's a very grainy gray picture like mm. an x-ray mm. But the ultrasound is diagnostic. That's the thing where they look at it and they go, okay, there's something not right here. Um, I kind of knew when I was in there by the look on my radiographer's face, I, I could tell something was off. Yeah. And so that was, oh look, I think that was a Friday and I was booked in for a, a um, biopsy on the Monday. And 
by Wednesday I was in back in my doctor's office and being told that it was cancer. Um, and then that afternoon I was straight in with a surgeon. Yeah. So talking about, you know, everything from survival rates for five to ten years, survival rates and percentages and it's the most surreal situation when you have your children sitting beside you and, and you're looking at them and you're just stunned by what's unfolding. I just remember looking at my daughter, especially because she knew, she knew what, when the doctor was talking and she's saying, you know, life expectancy for five to 10 years, it's at 70% or it's such a blur right now what the percentages were. And, she, you know, she's clocking this and saying, no, no, we need you longer than that. And my son's not quite fully understanding what's being said. He's just watching my daughter and I react. And I've looked at my daughter and my son and just I just apologised immediately. That was my first instinct was just, I'm sorry, you know, because I felt like I'd failed them. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's okay. You're listening to A Cuppa and A Yarn. I'm Michelle Alexandrovix Lovegrove and I'm talking with uh, Teresa Lake uh, about her story and her journey, a very courageous journey with breast cancer. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to A Cuppa and A Yarn. Don't forget, November 30 is election day for the New South Wales Land Rights Network. You can lodge your postal vote or go to a polling booth on the day. Head over to the website at alc.org.au for more details. You're listening to A Cuppa and A Yarn. I'm Michelle Alexandrovix Lovegrove. I'm talking with Teresa Lake and um, we're having a yarn about, uh, you know, the day that uh, your breast cancer was diagnosed, it was confirmed uh, with your doctor and pretty amazing of your two teenagers to be with you but also I've got to say for you to be okay with them being there you know because a lot of parents still even at their age would have you know they try and shield them from stuff yeah there's no shielding is there no real life is real life Mm. right and I don't think that um my children would have allowed me to go to a doctor's appointment without them or fully understand what my daughter especially Mm. she's very uh, pragmatic and stoic and okay what's next what's what's in front of us and what do we do next and she was a great support not only to me but to my son as well in terms of you know explaining it to him in terms that was understandable um, because all he sees is his mum yeah, you know of and he's he's like his whole world's about to be turned upside down and my daughter was in her HSC year and Jeez. Yeah, there was just a lot, a lot going on. What What are their names again? Jarvis and Layla. And is Jarvis um, J A or <clears throat> he's J A R V I S? Yeah, okay. And L A Y L A. Yeah. I'm yeah. writing it down here yeah. <laughs> the wrong way, of course. <laughs> <coughs> so, I mean, they they were there for everything. Yeah, yeah, they mm. were. They were. It was an interesting. Um, you know, I, I felt a lot of guilt about uh, them seeing what I was going through, what was happening to me, not just physically but mentally. It was, um, as you know, you know what it's like. As a mum, you just have guilt. Yeah. You're always guilty of something. You feel guilty that you haven't done something the right way or you should have protected them more. But when I look back at that time, I 
I cannot think of how I could have been any different. My body, I had no control over what was happening to my body. Um, I did feel like I wasn't suffering the right way. Mm. Um, as women, we tend to put on this superwoman cape and um, be strong and just get on with it, which we all do and we've all done in our lives, um, but sometimes that can be to our detriment. Um, what I find, you know, as a, as a woman, you know, sort of mentioning before, and I do my mammograms and whatever, is that, that with breast cancer in particular, would I be sort of right in that if you go into that space, which is so huge, is that you're not suffering well enough? Is yeah, that right? that's exactly how I felt. I just felt like I wasn't doing it right and mm. because I was seeing... Um, me being me, I wanted to research and find out, you know, what was about to happen to me so I could pre- prepare myself and my children. Um, but I was seeing images of particularly women doing so well mm-hmm. with their treatment and Although- having chemo and doing squats in a hospital hallway whilst having chemo. And I was looking at this video and thinking, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with me? Um I can barely get off the lounge. I don't know. I've got 20 minutes of clarity a day and all I want to do is talk to my kids and here's this woman doing squats in a hospital hallway while she's having chemo. But this is because, you know, on my particular, I, I, my first four rounds of treatment was um, an ACT treatment and it's known as doxorubicin. You affectionately t- known as the Red Devil. That's right. I was going to say, because <laughs> I remember you talking to me about the Red Devil. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. Yeah. Uh, not all chemotherapy is the same. No. They're, they're, they're varied and they're, as people react differently, they'll be adjusted. There's, there's so many different chemo regimes. My chemo, being doxorubicin, was before I started treatment, was given every three weeks. And that, even that's quite a, a tough schedule. But then when I started, they'd, they'd found out that there was, you know, a 5% improvement if it was given every two weeks. And at this stage, you start collecting your life by percentages. And it's like, I'll get 5% here and 10% there and I'll take all the percentages I can get. Um, so you do it, you know, they, they hit you with the first one. And um, I, to be perfectly honest, didn't want to go back for the second one and Achoo. had had actually contemplated that and had a conversation with with my daughter basically and just said I I can't do it it was the most painful thing I've ever experienced um, not just physically but mentally it just takes you to the edge of like an abyss uh, I can't really put into words what that stuff is like but throughout it all I, I think my kids were the ones who gave me permission to feel what I was feeling and because I felt like I was safe there, I didn't have to pretend. I was in pain, that's just how it was. And I got up and I went for my second one, you know, and all I kept thinking was just get to the next one, just get to the next one. And it wasn't until, you know, I was a few weeks into the treatment that I found some women who'd been on the same Okay. same chemo as me yep. um, who didn't really have to say anything but just once I told them what it was they just sighed in acknowledgement just like they get it you know 
it, it's it's a totally different experience and not enough of the women who have been on that treatment talk about what it's really like you know what it, what it does to you is there any and you know certainly uh, it's probably the last thing you'd want to do while, while you're having treatment but any type of you know uh, sort of either sort of holistic conversations that you can have or anything of someone clearly not I guess beforehand During, so, um, so they can sort of say you know okay you, you're going to have it's doxycycline is that what Doxorubicin. Do- Doxorubicin, sorry. So What's doxorubicin? You know, you I get think a that's list. an antibiotic. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. The red devil. The red devil. Um, you get a list. With every treatment, it's very factual. These are the these are sort of the common side effects. It's, it's highly likely you'll have this. And then these are the less common side effects. And it's probably about a 50-50 chance you'll have this. But nothing can prepare you. So if, as an example, they'll say hair loss, mm. right? Um, mm. It's a pretty common side effect of this particular chemo but no one told me that it would actually feel like a million pins in my skull you know as my hair is trying to fall out because it's dying at the follicle and it's pushing its way out and so in the end um, I'd, I'd persevered with it as long as I could and it was just getting so it was distressing distressing for my son to see hair clumps of hair on the floor but it was also painful for me to even lay down. It was like the, these pins and needles were pushing into my head. So I shaved it off. It was the only relief I could get from that. But those are the little, you know, real-world experiences that people don't talk about. They don't. They, they, they will say, oh, you know, there's, it's possible that you will lose all the, the connective tissue um, in your body. You know, that, that could be the way your nails are joined, that, that your nails start to literally... It feels like burning at the fingertips as it's starting to separate from the cuticle. Oh, or, gee. Um, towards the end of my... Because I moved on to a different type of chemo, which was paclitaxel. Every fingernail had lifted from the nail bed. It was still attached, but lifted from the nail bed. And the only relief I could get was to have band-aids around every single fingertip. And I couldn't use my hands to cut or... I couldn't do anything with my hands. Um, you know... These are the things that people don't don't tell you. And I, I've had people say, oh, you know, because most of the time family and friends, are, they're trying to gauge what's happening with you because it's new to them. And I, I get it. I was ignorant to it before I had to go through the treatment myself. But they're trying to understand it, but they're trying to gauge it based on who they know mm-hmm. that might also be going through cancer treatment. And I, I've had comments, you know, oh, but, and I'm just going to say, this isn't any Susans that you would know, but she's just forever known as Susan now because I d- actually don't know the person's name. <laughs> but Susan at work, she's just, she's breezing through chemo. And you're kind of just taken aback by those type of comments like, well... I'm not breezing through chemo and mm. who the hell Susan? <laughs> like, mm. I'm, I'm really happy for Susan but, you know, has anyone asked what type of chemo she's on or is she even having chemo? Because just because you have cancer doesn't mean you'll, you'll have to have chemo. It depends on the type of cancer. Yeah. So there's all these factors that people don't fully understand and they can make statements like that which, again can be so isolating because you're just like again here I go again I'm failing at the chemo (laughs) but look also Susan 
who knows what Susan has exactly. actually told. Susan's probably, you know, sort of gone, well, um, oh, look, you know, it's, it, it's not too bad. I'm doing as okay. Do. As we do. Mm-hmm. We as always say, I'm okay, I'm fine. As we you do. Know? And you you know, might so have got Susan on a good day as well. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm saying those squats in the hallway. Yeah. That's your, how long was that video? Yeah, it's 30 a few seconds. minutes. A few, yeah. Only a few minutes? Only that, a few minutes. Yeah, but still... Who knows what she was like 20 minutes later. All of that. So I think we're worried perhaps that, I know I certainly am often, that that if I actually say how it is sometimes or we say how it is, you're being negative or you're complaining or you're bringing a downer and, you know, you're impacting the mood of someone else. Sometimes people aren't really prepared for the truth. That's right. And, And we often will filter ourselves so they don't feel uncomfortable. And that's a really... When you're going through something like cancer treatment, mm. to take on that burden of trying to make sure that other people people don't feel uncomfortable when you're in this, you're just fighting for your life, it's, it's too much to bear. Yeah. So, you know, allow people, if you know someone, if you've got a family member that's going through it, allow them to feel it. And you, you don't have to come up with a solution. There is none. They need, this is, this is what's happening right now. And... You can love them and show love just as much by saying nothing. If you, you don't have to say anything. And most of the time when I did talk to people, I didn't want to talk about cancer. Mm, that's <laughs> that's right. the last thing. I just wanted to talk about everyday stuff. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting time in, in terms of my relationships with family and friends. But I think just as, as women, we need to um, throw away that superwoman cape and just go you know what it's okay to struggle and it's okay that i'm not okay right now and this is just how it is you're listening to a cuppa and a yarn i'm michelle alexandrovic's love grove i'm speaking with Teresa lake and we'll be back after the break make your mark on november the 30th the election day for the new south wales aboriginal land rights network members go to our website at www.alc.org.au to find out more information. This is a cuppa and a yarn from the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. I'm Michelle Alexandrovic-Lovegrove and I'm speaking with Teresa Lake about uh, her journey, very, very recent journey with, uh, with breast cancer and her decision to, uh, you know, make her experience uh, one that she shares in a very real way. You know, thank you for through this podcast now too, but most certainly uh, on uh, Carl Stefanovic's program this time next year. And Teresa, part of that was, you know, you, you know, talking about telling it truthfully, how you go in, uh, not having to be superwoman, being real, being raw, etc. But not too many people are going to let a camera crew in while you're in the middle of your chemo treatment, while you know you, you're at. Yeah. I mean, maybe your lowest point. I mean, I, I saw, I, I, I watched it, you know, jeez. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it and I just went, wow, like, my God, you know. Uh, but th- that's it. That's that's the face and that's the face that we don't well, see. That was my reality. Mm. And um, I, as I said before, I, I'm not someone to share my private life. Um, but I think as as I went on with the treatment, 
you know, it started off, the reason for me to do it was to do life differently is because I basically said to the universe, if I get through it, I'll do life differently. And here was this, you know, I was being called out. So that was, that was why I did it in the first place. But then it kind of evolved into this frustration because I was seeing all these, um, you know, palatable images mm. out in the social media world about what it's like to go through cancer. Um, I just became I just became frustrated, and I thought this is not how it is. You know, like I, I'm not a pink ribbon. I'm not. This isn't. This is not how I thought it was going to be. Like they didn't say this on the paperwork they gave me. I don't really know what I was expecting, but I was just bombarded with positivity, which is great. We all need something to focus on. Like, don't get me wrong. This isn't about saying you shouldn't be positive, but I think what what's missing is a bit of reality. Authenticity. Yeah, maybe. and I, I think it just allowing um, the cameras to come in and see that. And I did some video diaries as well. Um, was kind of therapeutic as well. And I really just hoped that by sharing it, that someone else out there who was feeling isolated would feel less isolated and feel like, yeah, it's okay, I'm struggling, and you know, but I'll get through it, you know, because that's that's the other side of it. You can say you've just got to be positive. Mm, well, no, that's not really true. You've got to have a lot of chemicals pumped into your body, and you've got to go through all this stuff, you know, because we're now in, it's a fight against time. It's spread. It's you know, it's systemic now. That's why you're having chemo. As I said before, not everyone that has cancer will have to have chemo. Mm. It depends if it's if mine had spread to my lymph nodes, so that I needed chemo, and they threw everything but the kitchen sink at me. You know, um, and it really took its toll. And, and I think in the end, I just, I just did. I didn't care about how it. Um, how it came across to other people if they were uncomfortable with it then so be it it's i was my message was to other people who were feeling the same way because i i felt so alone you know i just felt like no one was telling the truth no one was you know it's it's a hard place to be when you feel like you're the only one you know something's wrong with me i'm i'm supposed to be suffering better and being positive when I'm a realist, just tell me how it really is and I could have been prepared, you know, so hopefully someone else out there is like, okay, that can happen, I can be prepared. You'll never be prepared for how much, you know, how painful it can be, but at least you know, mm. you know, it, it just creates a different mindset. If you're someone like me who, who likes just to know what's in front of you, it just creates a different mindset and the mind is the most, that's, that's all you have to hang on to and you try your best to hang on to it. From the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, this is a cover and a yarn. I think quite possibly, and this is not actually defending anything or whatever, because I'm a realist too, and yeah. you know, I have, you know, said to doctors in the past or whatever, yeah. like, okay, I always want you to tell me how it is, because yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people. I need to know even if it's not good news. Yeah. I need to know because then I know what I'm working with, and then I can understand. Yeah. But I think a lot of doctors. Don't, because there are people who, who yeah. will, will will fly with yeah. anxiety, exactly. You know, and, know. And, and that sort of thing, and and you know, cancer can come on top of any other life issues as well. So I think they 
It's interesting that you say that because Mm. I just had a follow-up last week with my oncologist. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's all these doctors, right? I spent 90-something days at appointments last year, and that doesn't include hospital stays. It's it's a full-on time. So one of my specialists, you have a medical oncologist who deals with your chemotherapy treatment. You've got a radiation oncologist. You've got your surgeon. You've got all... All these different, you've got geneticists, you've got everything, right? All these people, these appointments you've got to go to. And I had a, my, a follow-up appointment last week with my medical oncologist and I felt I was kind of disconnected a little bit from oh, these online forums where people talk about their particular type of cancer. I didn't want to know, in, yeah. a, in a sense. I was like, I just need to get through this. Mm. I can't delve down into the research of, of it. And so when I had my follow-up appointment, I just kind of said, look, I probably didn't really engage with what was happening because I was just I couldn't mentally I was my mind was elsewhere was just focusing on the day-to-day but she said to me I I had a question I was like you know I was never told what grade it was my cancer or what stage it was at you know I I didn't it was kind of this conversation in my first appointments where it was it was like uh, we don't really do staging anymore because there's all these different factors There's, there's kind of that talk but I asked her about it at my appointment last week and she's like, it was stage three. Um, there's stage four and that's, you know. And so when I was told when I first diagnosed, she's like, you know, it's, it's this grade size cancer that you've got, but didn't tell me the, the staging because that would have probably, as you say, about mm-hmm. create a bit of fear and anxiety. So I think she tried to save me that at the time. Um, it probably was better that I found only found this out last week because yeah. I probably would have went into panic mode. But having said that, when I first had my meeting, my, my first appointment with her, she's like, you know, if it comes back within the next 10 years, it's stage four. And at that point, they just manage you. And so that's a lot to take in. <laughs> you know, I, that's a nervous giggle, by the way. <laughs> so so she said to you that... If it comes back again now, it'll be stage four. It'll yep. come back as stage. It'll come back as stage four, or they regard it as stage four. It's just stage four. Oh wow! Yeah. So shivers. You know the the remission thing is kind of. I'm technically in remission. They've yep. they've gotten it all. Yep. But it's one of these things that they you have to jump through a hoop every year and get a clear scan every year for the next 10 years before they'll actually say, yeah, you're clear. Mm. So I've got, you know, another 10 years ahead of me of scans and medication and and fingers crossed, you know. Um, a, a friend of mine said that it's like being in the mafia. You never get out. And I know how that sounds like some really... It sounds dark, but it, it, it's a bit of dark humour because you're in such... it's. There's no real way to describe this. You're, you're in this thing mm. and it does feel like that. You never get out, you know. You, you just, every year, day upon day, you've got to, you're thinking about it. Like every decision that I make, I think about, right, you know, I've got 10 years, I need to make sure that I, I do this. I need to make sure that my kids are okay. You know, it, it affects your day-to-day decision-making. And maybe I'm just... I don't know, maybe I'm just different, but being honest about those things brings me comfort in a very strange way because it's just it's reality. I'm sure that there have been so many 
realizations and so much learning, etc., for you. But just, I mean, I don't don't mean to keep bringing coming yeah. back to the show, but th- this was where you know, certainly for me, I see you most days, and then you you disappeared, mm. you know, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> oh, don't you stop. <laughs> but, but you know, but but I didn't. Um, you know, and then it was, and people don't talk about it. And no. it's, and, and this is the thing. And there, there was all this sort of whispering and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And then it was like, oh, Teresa's got cancer. Yeah. You know, coming to Newswalk, and I know people talk about it a fair bit of being like a family, but it was, um, it really was a safe place for me. Um, that sirens go past. Yeah. Um, but but I understand too why why the need for privacy as well. But you know, but uh, I think I think it was scary for a lot of people. Probably for the first two months of my treatment, I didn't come to work very often. I just wasn't there. I didn't. I couldn't get off my lounge. You know. But there was also that part of me. I probably came back to work sooner than I should have. I still was having chemo when I I started coming back two or three days a week, and it was more for me about normality and routine and mentally that was helping me to get through Um, and I know it was scary because all of a sudden I'd come back into work and I looked so different I had all my hair was gone I you know I I didn't I didn't look like I didn't look well at all and that's a scary thing to see and you were wearing the beanies too I was wearing the beanies I'd lost every bit of hair on on my body Um, like here's another thing right is that your eyelashes fall out like I know they say you have hair loss but for some reason I hadn't even considered that that would be my eyelashes wow and that doesn't seem like a big deal but it's a major deal it protects your eyes from dust particles the wind blowing in my face like my eyes were constantly watering and you know rubbing them so I just looked like I was crying all the time and and I I was in pain just walking my feet I was losing feeling in my feet and it was painful um you know and you're having neuropathy and you're walking on the sides of your feet and I think I've still got a fractured bone in my left foot because you're you're walking to compensate um and it does damage, you know, but there's there's moments where when it's that type of a side effect that they consider not giving you any more mm-hmm. because it, once it goes to, neuropathy goes to a certain point, it's irreversible. Yeah. Um, and then at that point where they're saying, you know, we might not give you the last two rounds of chemo, you're also thinking, yeah, I hate this chemo, but at the same time, do I need that too? Like, is that going to make a difference to my percentage of survival? Mm. So it's, it's just this really strange, strange situation. But yeah, I, I'm thankful for my work colleagues, mm. my work family, who didn't have to say very much, but just understood, you know, and just didn't stare at me. They just let me be. Yeah. And I, I'm forever grateful for that. So, you know, with this time next year part of the whole hook if you like with the show is you know someone comes and says this time next year i'm gonna whatever yeah and ours was um which seemed you know when i when i made the pledge it seemed quite frivolous to the audience because i'd made the pledge without saying why i'd pledged that Mm. um and it was to take a family holiday um to italy wasn't it well, was it, it wasn't intended to be Italy. Okay. It just sort of, it, it eventually ended up being Italy. Italy. Um, 
my kids and I had never had a family holiday that was, you know, just for the sake of going on a holiday. It was all, it was always, oh, we we were going to see family, so we'll tack a holiday onto the end of that. And we just never ever got around to it. It was busy. Life was busy. Money, yeah, same issues everybody else has. Um, never seemed a priority, and um, all of a sudden you start to think, you know, oh, I might not get this chance again. You know, so what's the point of having money in the bank or belongings or anything when you've you've not done anything so well we made a pledge to to take a family holiday and it was in a sense it was um something to focus on to get me to the other side of all the treatment you know everyone needs that something Mm. on the horizon (laughs) to Mm. look at absolutely with making that pledge and of course when carl makes the introduction a year later sort of coming back there's this whole you know i the expectation was, well, I knew you were going to be, but, you know, for everybody else, you know, who, who, who yeah. wasn't seeing you often yeah. or at all, you know, people yeah. who didn't know you, it's like, is she going to be on the other side of the door? Yeah. And you were, of course, yeah. looking fabulous, I've got to say. She was <laughs> wow, looking good. Wow, what a sequin dress that was. Yeah. <laughs> that was sequin. Probably, you know, I mean, I love a good sequin, <laughs> but I was not feeling great that Well, you day. look great. <laughs> Thank you. You look great and you looked happy. And, and how about those smoke and mirrors? Because half of that wasn't even my own hair. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, okay, no, there you go. They had to put a lot of... <laughs> What do they call those things? Oh, the extensions. The extensions oh, serious? Like, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, there you smoke go. Smoke and mirrors, isn't it yeah, wonderful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, TV's good at it. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised, but I tell you what, getting those extensions out the next day, it's not so fun. It's really not fun. Yeah. Um, but but a little mean, bit of hair that I did have was starting to come out with the extensions. Oh. <laughs> with, with that, the final shooting, um, you know, going and getting dressed up when you're feeling so crap. You're going to get dressed up and you're going, have your makeup done, you get your hair done. It does feel good, you know. Mm. Um, but one of the best things was to see my nan in the audience. My nan's 91. She was just blown away by the whole stage production. I bet right? she was. And seeing, she's watched Carl forever. Mm-hmm. So seeing him on stage was like this amazing, you know, it's the magic of TV when you're sitting on the one side of it and, you know, you're watching it at home and then all of a sudden you're in the studio and she's seeing it all come together and having her say to me that she was proud of me for doing it meant a lot <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna get all, mm. all teary but it meant it meant everything it, it, to me it was like yeah you did the right thing and I know that uh you know uh and I'd love to sort of maybe continue this type of conversation oh, or yes. you, it, sort of over time or you you talking about doing some other podcasts yourself etc but yeah. one of the important things for you was uh what you know you people who are going through this mm-hmm. and this type of chemo in particular yeah. you know it's like this is sort of what you may expect it's okay if you don't suffer well yeah. uh, but also you know you were pretty strong on what you believe we particularly as, as as Aboriginal women because I mean I know we are vastly overrepresented in breast cancer I yeah. do believe yeah. for the general population yeah. uh, as we are with a number of other conditions is uh take the time to make sure that you know you're okay so if something's amiss you can catch it early exactly we we often prioritize our families which you know that's great Mm. but you can't look after your family if you're not looking after yourself and and i've learned the hard way about leaving things a little bit too long but i just i i I think it's just so important to advocate for yourself as well i mean often 
I, I can tell you at least five times I've been to a doctor and told them of my family history of cancer and they've all said, oh, it's not, not close enough, don't worry. Mm. Well, turns out it was close enough mm-hmm. and I ended up with the, the, they found that I had the BRCA gene, um, which is the breast cancer, uh, breast and ovarian cancer gene. gene. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, had I known this earlier, I could have prevented a lot of things, but I just assumed, you know, you just go, oh, okay, yeah, they say it's not close enough, it's not close enough. Well, we, we don't know. That's right. You know, and, and that's and, something. And the thing was, It you would know, be good to know. There's testing so we can know. There's testing, right? But the thing is, just because you have the gene doesn't mean you end up with cancer. So yeah. the argument with, with, with doctors is that, well, it doesn't skip a generation, right? Right. That's fine. But my mum likely carries the gene, but she's not had cancer. My nan likely carries the gene, not had cancer. So they've made the assumption that because there's two generations that didn't have it didn't show up didn't present with cancer the assumption is it's it's not been passed on right incorrect it's just that they didn't end up with cancer so my nan had two sisters one one had breast cancer and one had ovarian so you would think when I told doctors that 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 would have been enough to go oh we should probably just as a precaution but there's all these other issues around genetic testing and the costs associated and holding genetic information it's a bit of it's a lot of gray areas but um yeah sometimes you've got to push i wish i'd have pushed and just said no i i want to be tested and even if i'd had to pay for it myself it would have saved me and my family a whole lot of heartache Teresa lake thank you very much for having a cup on a yarn thank you with me today i've finished mine you haven't finished yours <laughs> <laughs> just keep sipping away. <laughs> this is a new story for you, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You got to create a new story for yep. yourself. This is a this is a new future. Yeah, so it's a new new part of. It's a new normal. Mm-hmm. There's there's no going back to the normal that was. It's it's a new normal. You can do From the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council, this is a cover and a yarn.